Hello and welcome back to Three Princesses in a Muggle World. My name is Amber and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Casey. Unfortunately, Jenny's not able to join us for tonight's episode, but we're sending out all our good thoughts and vibes to her and hopefully she'll be back joining us very soon. Tonight, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite characters in the Harry Potter universe. And that is none other than the giant teddy bear Hagrid. He just celebrated his birthday, as well as we just lost the amazing actor that brought him to life. So we kind of felt we needed to give him a podcast and talk about him. Because we we definitely have a lot of um, thoughts feelings. and opinions and feelings. <laughs> That's the words I'm looking for <laughs> on our dear, sweet, beloved Hagrid, as well as Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. And, and we've mentioned before some of these thoughts, but I think this will give us a good chance to maybe explore a little bit deeper and not just be a little side rant, but kind of feel like this episode is going to be a little little on the sad side just because it is still pretty fresh um robbie's death and it's it's to think about yeah yeah one of my like childhood dreams was always that hagrid was gonna come knock on my door knock down my door and tell me i'm a wizard and you know for me i guess it was just kind of a realization with Robbie Coltrane dying that that was never going to happen. <laughs> like a part of me always knew it was never going to happen cuz you know I'm I'm a grown adult and I've accepted that the Harry Potter universe is not real and that you know it's fun to explore it but I kind of it definitely was hard losing it seeing Robbie cuz it was kind of just a realization that it he really is never going to come knock down my door and tell me I'm a wizard. Well, shall we start maybe a, a little deep dive into his background? You know, kind of give where he comes from, a little information about him, then we can move on to yeah other things. Okay. So, like Amber said, it is his birthday this week that we're recording it. Actually, it is the day that we are recording it, and he is oh almost 100. I want us. I think it's he. This will be his 90 second birthday and as far as we know he's still at hogwarts as a professor but let's go but let's go back to his start at at hogwarts and such so as we know if you are even a casual fan hagrid sticks out a little bit he is half giant his father was a muggle and his mother was a giantess and that made him kind of this outsider when he got to Hogwarts. You know, he didn't fit in. He was different looking, which I think that's kind of why I've always liked Hagrid. He was kind of that outsider, didn't really fit in. But he comes to Hogwarts and he is sorted into Gryffindor's house and he loses his father shortly after that. I think it's his second year that his father dies and... He's just all alone after that. He doesn't really know his mother or any of her family. 
And he's just this 12-year-old boy who's alone at Hogwarts. And I also kind of think that might be a reason why he took to Harry like he did and was there for him so much because he can understand having no one and being at, you know, this school as awesome as it is. You're alone. You don't really have anyone. Yeah. And I think he also like took to him so well because of the fact that he was such good friends with Lily and James and he was close with them. And so he was like, I, you lost your family. I need to take you in under my wing because I know how you feel as well as I loved your family. And so I want to make sure they know you're taken care of because I'm here for you. And I think that's kind of something that's not really talked about enough or focused on enough. I don't even really think about it that often, but Hagrid was, you know, the the gamekeeper for a long time. You know, he was there when Harry's parents were going through their years of Hogwarts. You know, he was a mentor to them as well. I don't think we ever really truly focus in on that loss. You know, he was close to the Potters. He watched them go from enemies to kind of friends to, you know, true loves. And he had to deal with that, that loss and having to, to then also now take care of their little child, their their baby. You know, that's that's so heartbreaking. You know, everyone wants to focus in on McGonagall and, you know, the other professors, how they lost so many students throughout the year, but Hagrid also lost those students. Yeah. And one of the things that when reading some of the articles that I read on Hagrid to help me kind of prepare for this, one of the things that I read that I guess I had never really fully thought it through was, you know, Hagrid showed just how much he cared about Harry when, despite the fact that he was grieving the loss of James and Lily, he rode this kind of dangerous flying motorcycle that he'd never ridden before across this vast space. I don't know how far Godric's Hollow is from where the Dursleys live, but he drove... Flew this thing while grieving, carrying this infant child, and that because he knew how important it was to get that infant child as far away from where all that happened, and uh, like just getting him away from there was so important. He knew he had to put his grief to the side to do that. That is how much he loved Harry, and you know he's he's had a kind of a hard life. You know, not only did he lose, you know, his whole family pretty young, you know, both parents, he was actually, you know, eventually expelled from Hogwarts, thanks to Tom Riddle, you know, causing problems even way back then. But one of my favorite things about Hagrid, you know, you look at his backstory, you know, losing his father, never knowing his mother, getting kicked out of the only place left for him. It doesn't ever make him bitter or mean-spirited you know he's still just this open and caring person and incredibly protective and I think that is just so incredible you know especially since that stuff continues on every time people look at him they cower or they look down upon him because he is different but that never 
you know, gets to him that he never lets that change who he is. He is still this just incredibly kind person. Yeah, he he does definitely have a little bit of a temper at times, but who doesn't? At the end of the day, who hasn't gotten upset or mad when somebody's been mean? And I feel like that's what happens is somebody has to be mean to somebody that Hagrid cares deeply about for him to get mad. Um, but I, I think it just is more of a protective thing rather than a it's just a straight anger thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And he, he really looks gruff and looks kind of honestly kind of a little scary at first, but you end up realizing he's just a giant teddy bear. Uh, he's loving, he's kind, he's caring, he's, he's comforting, he is loyal. And because uh, not getting into our dislike of Dumbledore, but he's extremely loyal to Dumbledore. And, uh, and I think part of his loyalty to Dumbledore does lie in the fact that Dumbledore was the one that convinced the headmaster at the time of Hagrid's expulsion to let Hagrid stay on the grounds and be the groundskeeper because otherwise Hagrid had nowhere else to go. So despite his other major flaws, I will give Dumbledore props for his kindness towards Hagrid. That definitely is one of the few pros. And I just, thinking of the alternative breaks my heart because realistically, where would Hagrid have gone if Dumbledore hadn't let him stay there? You know, what would he have turned into? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't want to even try to know what he would have, where he would have gone and what would have happened to him. I feel like maybe he would have found his way to... Romania and worked with the dragons there maybe maybe not totally legally doing it but <laughs> I mean I, I kind of feel like Charlie's not super on the up and up about that either so yeah he's at least somewhat on it on the up and up just maybe not completely so yeah I, I think I vaguely remember isn't it talked about how like at night him and some of the other keepers like smuggle dragons back and forth, sell them and stuff like that. Or did I just imagine that? I don't know. That's a good question. That's something we'll have to look up and find out. But anyway, back back to Hagrid. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about his background. He did end up becoming a professor after being groundskeeper for a while. But let's jump into maybe some of our favorite moments. I I love any moment where he reveals stuff he shouldn't have. And I just, I feel like that's like the best line of the movie. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. I agree completely because it definitely is a favorite of mine because it's so relatable because there's times where I will say something to my child and I will go, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. Maybe yeah. it's not like as bad as what Hagrid revealed because it's not like a secret that I'm revealing. Just sometimes there's things I should not have said. Yeah, as a teacher, I definitely have those moments where I'm like, mm, nope, nope, I can't. I, mm, 
shouldn't have said that. Hopefully that doesn't come back and bite me in the butt. Yeah. I, I just, I love those moments. And I'm kind of sad that we only really get them in, like, the first couple movies. You know, it kind of dies out. He starts to wise up. and Yeah. I still think he does have some sweet and innocent qualities around him. but Absolutely. So I'm going to reference an article I read quite a bit just because it kind of helped a lot of my brain focusing tonight. But one of the articles I read actually ranked some of his top moments. They It was like the top seven moments with Hagrid. And I don't necessarily know that I would say the scene was my favorite, but I can see why they ranked it as number seven on the list. And that was the birth of Norbert the dragon. And the reasoning behind why they put that on the top seven was just because of how innocent and heartfelt <laughs> and that Hagrid was in that moment. He was like, oh my gosh, I have a baby dragon. I'm its mommy. It knows I'm its mommy. And, you know, it it definitely is a very sweet kind of moment and helps you realize just how caring and loving and innocent and maybe slightly naive Hagrid is. You know, if he necessarily is naive, because I was kind of having this thought just as we were getting started and talking about his family and stuff. I don't know if he necessarily is naive about it. I think first he he just wants to see the good in things and doesn't want to in any doesn't want to ever judge anyone by appearances because that's been him his whole life. So I kind of feel like the reason he's drawn to all these different creatures and you know like Norbert and. Uh, Aragog, you know, all these different dangerous looking things that people usually shy away from, but he run towards. I think he just, he's trying to, whether it's subconscious or not, build, you know, his own little family of outcasts because he fits in with them. No one else does, but he fits in with, you know, the giant fire breathing dragon. He fits in with the giant spider. Those are, you know, his people. And I think he's just trying to surround himself and see the good in them that he wishes others would see in him from just first glance. Yeah, and I can see that. One of, kind of going along that same line, one of the other things that they ranked as number six then was the death of Aragog. And again, while not one of my favorite scenes, mostly because I don't do giant spiders. I don't do spiders. I, I, and so, you know, I don't really care for that scene for that reason. I can understand why they put that as number six, because kind of along the same lines as Norbert, it kind of lets you see a deeper side to Hagrid. And one of the things that, I read in one of the other articles that kind of sparked a lot of brain thoughts for me was um, the fact that one thing with Hagrid is he is not afraid to show emotion, which you would think being a half giant, they wouldn't really want to show emotion because they'd want to be viewed as because giants like, like to be viewed as powerful and strong. And so, Oh, You'd think that it would be the opposite because Hagrid's half giant, but 
It's not. He's not afraid to show emotion. He cries openly multiple times throughout the series and that as well as he's just very loving and kind and shows it via giving hugs to people and cry and that just is amazing to me because in today's world it's just viewed as such a weakness for anybody honestly to cry but especially guys and yet here we have this half-giant, and he's not afraid to show his emotions. And I love that. I agree. And again, kind of just referencing back to you know his backstory, it's incredible to me that he is still so open and emotional instead of being closed off. I just, I love that about him. Yeah. So veering off for a moment as I'm skimming some of these other articles as we're going as we're talking, apparently there was a rumor that because of how much, how little we know of Hagrid's backstory, apparently there was a rumor that he had an evil half-brother, or saw an that. evil twin. No, an evil twin. Not Gross. I, I, I saw that, and I'm like, yeah. where did that come from? I have never, ever heard that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Apparently he had an evil twin. And that, but no, he doesn't d- exist. And the name that was go that went along with this rumor, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it, but it's literally Hagrid spelled backwards. Yeah, I just I I don't know where that came from. And... I don't know either, cause yeah, I I don't remember those. Yeah, but I don't like it. <laughs> And I feel like we would notice if there was two half giants running around. Yeah. Uh, is it is it time to go into the rant portion of this? Well, okay. So apparently, I again, I don't remember any of this. So fans out there that are listening, please inform me where this actually was because I don't recall any of this. But apparently, it was in the Sorcerer's Stone that this was brought to light that and the rumors were started because apparently it was a rumor that he was one of the obstacles that you had to pass to get to the stone and then when the stone was destroyed he ran away and was hiding in the forest when when was the thing i don't remember this but this is what this article is claiming so listeners Tell me where this came from, because I don't know it. And it's got me very worried and very confused. Okay, so before we go into the rant portion, I do have a few other moments that I want to bring up. So this one was only ranked as number five on their list, but I kind of feel like I would have moved it up higher on my personal list and that is Hagrid giving Harry the photo album at the end of um Sorcerer's Stone because it's just one of my favorite moments and it's so touching and so loving another one of my favorite moments is Hagrid comforting Hermione when after Draco called her a mudblood and just the fact that he's like just wipe it off just just brush it off you are amazing you are all these things and that don't even worry about it. And then there's of course the classic that 
I'm going to try not to cry while saying it. There's no Hogwarts without you, Hagrid. And again, that's one of probably one of my favorite moments because of the fact that that's another time you see him cr- openly cry and not he's not ashamed of it because he is crying in front of the whole school. Yeah, I I think those are I think his best moments that just show you know his openness, you know his open heart to everybody. Okay, so I kind of want to talk about the photo album a little bit. I was thinking about it this week, actually. Okay, go for it. So we see in Prisoner of Azkaban that Hagrid is very angry towards Sirius because of what he thinks he did. So my question is, why would Hagrid give Harry the photo album and leave pictures of Sirius in there? So I think at the end of the day, it's one of those situations where or he wanted Harry to have the photos of the wedding and that like he wanted Harry to have those photos and to he wouldn't be able to like most of those photos probably had serious in it, if you think about it, because, you know, he was kind of probably honestly more like a third wheel than anything else in that situation and so you know i feel like he was probably in um, the majority of the pictures and i don't know that he would have been able to put any pictures from the wedding without serious being in i would be like snip snip cut him out yeah let's be real though it's probably because jk rowling didn't think that far ahead probably but then again maybe that just goes into his goodness oh well i'll leave it so harry gets the full picture yeah happier time so speaking of photos though one thing i never really realized like i feel like it was probably something i knew but probably never realized and hagrid was in the original order of the phoenix in the picture that sirius gives him he was in that yep i think that just kind of goes back into you know people don't put a lot of focus on hagrid you know, they don't realize there's a whole other deeper side to him, you know? Definitely. So, before we totally go on to rants with about him, I do have something that I want to kind of talk to you about that I came across while reading. Uh, and one of the things this article mentioned, it was a list of stuff that people may not realize about Hagrid. And... One of the things was he can't cast a Patronus, which I feel like that's kind of an obvious thing, considering, you know, technically he's not supposed to cast anything, even though he does still kind of have his wand in the umbrella. He was never really great at magic to begin with, so, like, I feel like that's an obvious thing, that he wouldn't be able to cast a Patronus. And My question on that is can he not or does he not know how to because you know when harry is learning how to do that in his third year remus keeps telling him over and over this is advanced magic this is way above your level and hagrid was kicked out in year two so is it that he can't produce a patronus or he just doesn't know how and that's where the speculation is coming in and that's kind of where what i wanted to talk to you about and get your thoughts on it is so when J.K. Rowling after the books came out was kind of coming out with like 
answers to some of the questions that people had. This was one of the questions that people had. They were like, can Hagrid produce a Patronus? And she said, no, it was too advanced magic for him. And so, which, like I said, makes total sense to me. But a lot of people were speculating that it's not even just that. It's that because of his traumatic childhood, he would not be able to come up with a happy enough thought to produce one. Which, my thoughts on this is, well, yes, he did have a traumatic childhood, but so did so many other people in the, like, in Dumbledore's army, and that and they were able to produce Patronuses because they had happy memories of stuff that were happening right then and there type thing. And I feel like Hagrid has those. Hagrid has happy memories that he could use. And so I don't think that his why he can't produce a Patronus is because he can't produce a happy enough memory. I feel like he can. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... I think Harry had a far more traumatic childhood. I mean, when you break it down, yes, Hagrid lost his father. But as far as we know, it wasn't anything malicious. You know, just he passed away. And, you know, that happens. Yes, he was expelled from school. But, you know, Harry grew up in a household of neglect, hate towards his existence. And... Honestly, I would not be surprised if physical abuse was involved, you know, at least from Dudley's side and maybe Vernon encouraging him to physically harm him. You know, that is a lifetime, you know, 10 years worth of trauma and abuse in whatever form it may be. But he's able to cast what seems to be one of the most powerful Patronuses because of the happy memories that he started accumulating once he got to Hogwarts. You know, happy memories that include Hagrid and his other friends and everything. So I don't I don't buy into that, that he doesn't have happy enough memories or he has too many traumatic memories. I don't buy that. Yeah, because in, even with Harry, like, his the first 10 years of his life were filled with abuse and trauma and that that way... But it didn't stop when he got to Hogwarts. And that we, when he got to Hogwarts, he had a very evil guy actively trying to kill him. And all that stuff that was going on. And he was still able to find a happy enough memory to produce a very powerful Patronus. And so I feel like, again, at the end of the day, yes, Hagrid had a traumatic childhood. And yes, he had a lot of trauma in his life. And yes, he had a lot of sad memories and a lot of sad moments. But we also see he had a lot of happy ones. And uh, in Order of the Phoenix, he even said, like, he even talks about how much he enjoys being around Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And how they bring a lot of happiness to him. And just, I kind of feel like we're focusing way too much on oh, he experienced trauma, so he should he wouldn't be able to produce a Patronus. And that's not the point. That's not the issue. Like, just because you experience trauma does not mean you also, you never experience happiness. Yeah, I, I will only accept two answers. One, which is what I'm inclined to go with, that is, 
it's too advanced. He dropped out second year, and that's like, I don't know if it ever actually says what year typically learns that, but like, let's just say six for funsies. You know, that's, that's the only, that's the most likely in my mind. The second one I will accept begrudgingly is he can't do it because he's not a full wizard. He's part troll and that limits him. I don't like that one, but I'll, I'll accept it. But don't, yeah. don't tell me he's too traumatized to do that. You know, if Harry can watch Cedric Diggory die right in front of him and carry that guilt and still produce a charm, a Patronus charm, no. Yeah. Snape can pr- produce a charm, and he is awful. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I don't think it's because of trauma. I think it's because it is advanced magic. And I feel like it's not even magic they teach at school. Like, I feel like it's even possibly something that you don't learn until after school. And that's if you desire to learn it. Because, you know, I feel like there's some magic that's not taught at Hogwarts. And that obviously dark arts is not taught at Hogwarts type thing. And so there's some stuff that you just have to choose to go out of your way to learn. And I feel like the Patronus charm is probably falls in that category. Because if you think about it, Fred and George were in their final year during the fifth movie. And well, during Order of the Phoenix, and they hadn't learned it yet. They were learning it along with everybody else in Dumbledore's army. And so I feel like at the end of the day, the Patronus charm is not something that's taught at Hogwarts. I feel it should have been. And uh, especially if we're going to, you know, put these creatures that you need a Patronus charm to protect yourself from outside of the school. I feel like we should be teaching the students how to protect themselves from these creatures. Yeah, but it, it could also be more along the lines of, well, two things. The average person isn't going to run into a Dementor, so why do they need to know it? Or option two is, well, if the if a Dementor is coming for you, you probably deserve it, and you're not going to protect yourself from it except your fate. Because we kind of saw that mentality, you know, a couple of times. I can't remember. I want to say maybe seventh. But, like, we kind of get this disbelief, you know, when the Dementors leave Azkaban and join, you know, forces with Voldemort. They kind of don't believe that. We see that, you know, what is it? What would a Dementor being a little whingier? You know, we get that disbelief of, well, if you're going to be seeing a Dementor, you probably deserve it, and they're not going to teach you to protect yourself. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what warrants learning a Patronus charm in the Wizarding world necessarily, but I do feel like it is something that is not taught at necessarily taught at Hogwarts unless I feel like probably Aurors would be the only ones that really get taught that. I feel like Aurors and other people probably learn because some people just have a desire for knowledge and so I feel like those people are going to go on to learn how to do that. True. Hermione. (laughs) Yes. As well as we know like other people can like we know um Arthur Weasley can produce a Patronus and he's not an Auror, but he's also part of the Order of the Phoenix. So I feel like, again, he may not be an Auror by trade, but he would want to know, have a lot of defensive stuff in his arsenal, basically. So I do feel like... Oh, go for it. So I do feel like, like I said, at the end of the day, I don't think they teach that at Hogwarts, which really, I feel like, emphasizes the whole Hagrid wouldn't have learned it. 
you, as you were talking about Hermione, just gave me another point. So Hermione struggles to do the Patronus. Harry says pretty consistently every time she uses it that this is the one spell she can't master. And, you know, a lot of people kind of speculate. Um, I don't know if it's maybe even implied in the story that Hermione struggles because she is so logical. She doesn't really play into, like, emotions and stuff. And, you know, that's why she struggles, because she has a hard time thinking emotionally of good things. So, like, if that's the case for Hermione, Hagrid is the complete opposite. He is so filled with emotion and open and like that. He, no problem doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you that the only answers I would accept is because he's not full human and being expelled early. Those are the only two things that would make sense in my mind. Another one, this is more of like a potential thing, but I saw it on somewhere on the internet that Hagrid, if he had been the one to run into the basilisk, would have just taken it home and made it a pet. And I just, I don't know, I, I find that funny because I also think, yeah, that'd probably be true. <laughs> I completely agree that Hagrid would totally take the basilisk home and make it a pet. I don't know how that would work, considering, you know, looking at the basilisk would result in petrification. Let's say he finds it after Fox um, blinds him. Yes. Yes. But I guess I have a question, because I need to go back and rewatch Chamber of Secrets right now, because I had this, like, thought as I'm thinking about Chamber of Secrets. I feel like Tom Riddle... And the Basilisks do make eye contact. How does Tom Riddle oh. not get petrified? I'm going to have to go rewatch that too. My best guess would be because he's not actually a person in that form. You know, he's, he's technically just a, a memory. And he will return human after Ginny dies and he drains her life. But I think his visage isn't human. I think it's just magic. I don't think it would affect him. Possibly. Okay, back to Hagrid, though. So, what are what is our rants about Hagrid, other than the fact that you know the reason why he can, the reason why he can't produce a Patronus? That was kind of a rant. <laughs> but what are uh, well, some these, other? Well, I mean, these are the two big ones that we kind of keep coming back to. It's just Harry. What are you doing, Albus Severus James Sirius? Where is Ruby is Hagrid. Where is Ruby? Yeah. I, like, for me, I get the whole James. I get the whole Lily. I can back those ones. You know, naming your child after your parents that have passed, that's not an uncommon practice. And that, like, you know, I fully support his decision to name his kids that. It's, it's Albus Severus that I just, I can't. I can't. There were so many other people he could have done. You know, it feels like uh, you've have you seen the Harry Potter character generator on TikTok? Um, really, so. it just gives you it's a filter where it goes through like a spin the wheel type of thing of characters, and even when you press something, it stops on a character. Yeah. I kind of feel like uh, that is how Harry named his children. Okay, uh, let's go. I'm going to press the button. What's the first name, first name, first name? Severus! <laughs> or Albus. You know, is it just yeah. 
they're just literally just random. I, like I said, I totally behind the James and Lily, and that, and I'm even behind the Sirius is the middle name with James because of the fact that Sirius and James were inseparable as kids, and you know he was the Godfather, and he did mean a lot to Harry. I can get behind that name, but I, I just I do feel like two is pushing it, though. You know? Okay, choose one of your parents, not both. I feel like two's pushing the boundary, pushing that limit a little bit. Definitely a yeah, possibility. Like, I'm one that one of my stances has always been, if the relative is alive, you don't name your child after them. But if they're dead, that's okay. And so I guess it doesn't bother me that he did that. Although I do feel like at the end of the day, I just feel like in a sense it's a jip to Molly and Arthur. Because while, yes, they're both alive still. So, you know, my whole if they're alive, don't name your child after them. You know, that stands. But at the same time, if you only have three kids, and you name them both after one side of the family, that's a little rude to the other side. Yeah, and not I mean, what what is Ginny saying? You know, I, yeah. I feel like she's got some people she's lost she would love to honor. Yeah. And I do feel like it's a very one sided thing for him. I now I don't know that Ginny having much of a say much more of a say in it would have landed Hagrid's name in there at all because you know Jenny and Hagrid were never extremely close like he cared about her but not to the extent that he cared about Harry and stuff like that and so I don't know if it would have gotten Hagrid's name any higher up but I definitely feel like it is a very one-sided type thing with the names because it's all these people that Harry lost as well as just I still can't wrap my head around Severus like I Dumbledore with all his flaws and everything at the end of the day he did play a fairly major role in a in some aspects positive other aspects not so much and that but in some aspects it was positive for Harry you know he definitely had some stuff about that he did that was a good thing for Harry. And so I can I can kind of accept Albus. I don't agree with it and I feel like there's other people that you know should have been higher up on the list, but I can wrap my head around that one. I cannot wrap my head around Severus because there was no positive influence in Harry's life that involved Severus. And that, yes, Severus may have had this infatuation with his mother that made him, like, that made him a part of Harry's life. And that in a not necessarily positive aspect, but, you know, it caused Harry to be protected, not in a very good way, by Snape. But I still, like, I'm just like, I don't understand that one. I really don't. I cannot wrap my head around that one. Because I feel like there were so many others, especially Hagrid, 
that were a massive positive influence on him. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I cannot believe that Jeannie just let this one slide. Because, you know, if you break it down and think about it, she doesn't know Dumbledore personally. That that's her that's her principle. That's it. There's no relationship. And then Snape. We granted don't know exactly how he treated her, but I can't imagine it's very good. So school principal, yeah. awful potions teacher. Yep, let me sign that birth certificate. Yeah, I definitely have a hard time wrapping my head around that one. Like I said, I Again, I feel like in some ways it is a jip towards Molly and Arthur naming the other two after Harry's parents. But I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I can be like, I can see why Jenny would sign off on those. Albus Severus, I cannot wrap my head around. I don't know. It kind of almost feels like that whole thing was like, I don't know, a last minute decision or just like... And in the moment type of thing, didn't go change it later. Or if it's some weird fan service, I, I don't know. But it's just, it to me, that was always a weak part of the book. Just that, that randomness of Albus and Severus. Yeah. I could even get behind, like, Albus Rubius or Rubius Albus. I could get behind that name. As much as I don't like Albus, like I said, I can wrap my head around why Harry would name a child after him. I like I don't agree with it, and I do feel like Albus definitely was not the best person out there, but I can wrap my head around it because he was a mentor to Harry and did play such a huge part in Harry's life. But I don't know. I just don't understand some of it. I definitely do not understand it. So, listeners, if you have some insight into understanding why you think Jenny would go along with those names, for one, and two, why that name in particular and not, you know, Rubius, you know, let us know. I'd I'd love to know. Because, you know, as our other co-host always says, you're always entitled to your wrong opinion. And I'd like to know your wrong opinion. So, had, any other I had, thoughts? I had something when you were talking, and now I'm like, where did it go? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, we'll see if it returns. Gotta love uh, that, right? It's, 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 our, it's only Tuesday, and it's already been a week. Uh, you can say that again. So, my, my one last, you know, rant, criticism, what whatever, again, talked about before, but it's just... Why was Hagrid never allowed to replace his wand after he was exonerated? That's just so not fair. Makes no sense. I don't agree with it, but I do feel like the fact that I don't think he was ever exonerated well at like after he was expelled, I think the exoneration didn't officially come until Harry's second year. And so while I don't agree with it, he was technically too old to go back to school, which, like I said, I don't agree with. I feel like he could have learned. I feel like they should have given him a wand. I definitely agree with you there. But I feel like that was probably their excuse that they came up with. Well, I mean, do you have to go to school in order to have a wand? 
don't really know. <laughs> like, no one's saying he had to go back and finish school, but just give him a lot. Yeah. So, just some quick random thoughts real fast with Robbie Coltrane. Um, uh, he brought to life Hagrid for us, because, you know, we all probably had our own imagery of Hagrid prior to the movies, and, uh, and we all had this, what we believed he would look like and how he would act based off of the books. And I feel like, at least for me, Robbie Coltrane brought Hagrid to life exactly how I pictured him. Like, maybe not completely, but close enough. And just, he he did such an awesome job at portraying Hagrid. And... Hagrid being one of my favorite characters, and he brought him to life in this magical and wonderful way. I agree completely. So, we love Hagrid. We love Robbie Coltrane. And the loss of Robbie Coltrane definitely was hard. So, I hope that while listening to this, it brought, you know, some magic to your lives. And let us know your thoughts on Hagrid and Robbie Coltrane and just all of it. Free to drop your favorite quotes from Hagrid, memories, all that stuff. We want to see what you guys like. Absolutely. And with that, have a magical week. Until next time, bye.